Sorry it's late, everyone. Um, I don't really believe in a schedule. Um, I think it'll just be a pleasant surprise whenever I release this. I think that sounds like more fun. Um, and also I was just too busy uh, being a hero and donating blood to, to record a podcast. So I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, it's just when you're a hero, you have a lot of responsibilities. Um, podcasting itself, you know, is also heroism. People are lonely, they need a voice in their room to fill their head. Um, so you're welcome for everything. I don't understand how the virus can be so contagious that we all need to wear masks everywhere we go, but it's also still safe to go donate blood. Like, everyone had to be well within six feet of me in order to get that done. The whole vibe of, of the place and from everyone in there was kind of just like, yeah, it's not real. The virus? Corona virus? Don't be stupid. It's the cell towers. It was the cell towers the whole time. And there's no cell towers in here, so everyone is safe. Come here, I want to put my finger in your mouth. And I feel fine, but I don't know. Maybe it's not fine. Maybe I'll get the virus. Uh, maybe they're giving the blood to reanimate Joe Biden every day. I, and I posted a photo on Instagram of me donating blood because I wanted to make that Joe Biden joke. And I thought, surely, surely the XXX trolls could not possibly still leave horrible comments when I'm giving blood, but of course their grudge it knows no bounds it's 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 almost inspiring and actually in a way inspired me to do this podcast and create my my patreon cult because i want a cult who's gonna harass people who are literally giving blood to the common good but no you told a joke about murder and that's wrong so you should be murdered that's that's the logic i want for my cult I mean, for those of you who might be listening and don't and don't know, and I'm not going to talk a lot about it, but I told a joke last year for Comedy Central's This Week at the Comedy Cellar TV show, and I just told, you know, a harmless joke about this this rapper who is deceased, and I didn't know that he had a cult following of, of 16 million emo SoundCloud rappers, and to this day, I'm, I'm, I'm receiving the backlash. Yeah, um, you can do your own research. I'm not going to get into it here. I think I will do an episode sometime just really doing a deep dive into everything that happened. Um, but I'll probably put that behind the paywall just in case any of them get curious and then listen and take things out of context. And So um, shame on me for thinking I could get away with doing a good deed and changing hearts and minds. There are a lot of trolls, maybe not a lot, but there are a few who I've, I've uh, converted. Conversion therapy. Ex-troll to Dina fan. And I have some funny screenshots of people saying that they once hated me and now, and now they think I'm thick. Which, whatever, you know, I want to be revered for my comedy and my wits, but if that's what it takes to get get a troll to stop wanting to murder me and, and, and post my phone number on the internet, so be it. So be it. Sometimes I get a DM from a troll and I think, I think I can reach these kids. I think if I just talk to them, I can, I can get them to see reality and, and stop being such, such a piece of shit on the internet. I think I can do it. 
And you know, sometimes I succeed. Sometimes I convert them. And other times they're, they're just so brainwashed that it makes me sad for the state of humanity because it makes you almost believe that bubbles are for the best, you know? These trolls, their world should never have collided with mine. They don't understand the world of stand-up comedy. They don't understand that I wasn't mocking somebody and I was just making a joke, a topical joke for a TV show to get $600 from Comedy Central. That's why I made that joke, not because I have some personal vendetta against that guy or, or that I was aware that there was there were factions of people out to get him and and that I was just one of them and trying to make him look bad for some... It's crazy. Like, I had nothing to do with that world, but they don't see that. And so now we've just collided and I try to talk to some of them and sometimes I get through to them, but a lot of them are just beyond reality. And it makes you sad because you think surely conversation is a tool that can fix any problem if we can just have an open dialogue and an honest discourse and then you try to talk to one of these trolls and it's like oh no there's actually you just need to go back into your bubble you go back to your bubble i'll go back into mine and it's a sad thought it's a sad thought when you actually advocate for the bubble you can't be afraid of logic and reason and engaging international debate with somebody I'm not afraid of hearing feedback that's negative and true. Just today, a troll DM'd me and said I sound like Tina from Bob's Burgers, and I said that's fair. That's fine, it doesn't hurt my feelings. Someone said that I look scared on stage. This was a troll who offered to give me money to go down and fly to Florida so that he could kill me. And I said, sure, Venmo me. And uh, he's, and then we we got into to a fight about which which payment app to use so that he could give me the money so that I could buy a flight to Florida to meet my demise. And ultimately, he just lost interest, and that broke my heart. That would have been one of the nicest gestures a man has done for me, paying for for a three hundred dollar flight. That's that's pretty generous for a first date. But um, that point he made about me sounding scared on stage was actually, it was poignant and it hurt. And it actually was sort of life-changing because I realized that I, I was living this persona on stage that wasn't really who I am. And it did come from fear. And even when I watch videos of myself doing stand-up from long ago, uh, it's crazy the difference. You could see that this whole persona I had going on was not just... I wasn't acting like shy or scared, I was, and it was interpreted as a character, but it wasn't at all. And um, even as recently as a few years ago, like my Conan set, I, I, sh I shudder at that set because it's pretty much the first time I was on tape for a, for a national audience and I was scared. And that showed through my set, I think, you know, I still stand behind most of the jokes in there and I thought they were good jokes, but just even when I open open my set with like, hey friends, hey friends, and that like high-pitched voice, that's not me, it's, when I'm nervous, you can tell because my voice gets so much higher, so you can tell I'm very comfortable on this podcast, and uh, I cringe, and even in like the next set I did for a, for a large audience was my five-minute Comedy Central set. It was a little bit better. I wasn't, I don't think I was as nervous, but still, it wasn't there. It still didn't get to what I want to see 
and what I see in my head when I perform. It, it didn't match up what I want to sound like and appear as. It's still not quite there, and I can be, I can admit that. I can be critical of my, of my own craft and my presence, and what that troll said was, was not a lie. And so it actually helped me. It helped me a lot because that whole experience and receiving comments like that, it, it changed it changed my perspective a lot and my feelings about being on stage. It made me a little bit more f fearless, in fact, when I know that their goal was to make me afraid, but it did the opposite I'm, and I'm thankful for that. And it was also just so absurd. The absurdity made me realize what a joke this whole I mean, I love stand-up and I love comedy, but the fact that you can be misinterpreted to that extreme where people now want to kill you, it's like, what is, what is this? What am I even doing? So it just, um, it helped. It helped a lot. And I think people need to be willing to talk to each other, whether they, even if they want to kill you, I'm willing to hear you out. I'm putting that out there. If you want to kill me, let's talk about it. Maybe you have a good point. Maybe you don't. But it's not that serious that we can't talk about it with our words. Um, and now that stand-up has been killed itself by the coronavirus, I actually wonder how much of a toll it was actually taking on my, on my mental health because, as I said, I realized I was often anxious on stage a lot of the time. And I know that now, especially because I've been taking such, such great dumps. And I don't want to talk about that. I don't like talking about that. You know, I know it's crass, but... The fact is, they've been really solid logs, and uh, and whenever I know that I'm feeling anxious because it comes out, that's where it shows up, in the toilet, I and mean, I got that from my mom. She's had stomach issues her whole life, and she's also the most anxious person I know, and uh, it's, it's factual that psychological anxiety plays out in your uh, digestive system, and uh, the fact that I haven't done stand-up in weeks now, and, the, and these poops have been so good. It, I think it's showing me, wow, maybe it was really affecting me more than I thought. Because when I am doing stand-up, let me tell you, it's like, a, it's the ones that take, you know, like 15 minutes just to wipe clean. And I'm sorry to get even grosser, but I know a lot of you know what I'm talking about. And I, I, I resent if you pretend that you don't. The ones where you're just sitting there and you're like, you know, I have things to do. I'm an adult. I can't just be wiping my ass for, for 20 minutes. And sometimes I get so frustrated, I start yelling at my asshole, like like it's a like it's a bad dog jumping out of the tub, you know. Just like, well, I guess you don't want to get clean. I guess you just want to stay dirty, huh? And then an hour later, oh, now you're just itching for a bath, aren't you? You're just itching. So I don't know. It's right. This whole this whole quarantine, the trolls are all raising valid questions. What? What is stand-up? What is it for? What is any of it for? What's really meaningful in your life? I do think comedy is extremely important um, for the world, especially in times like these, but comedy requires a responsible audience. You can't have a public that hears a joke and think that its only goal is to mock something. It's such a base way to think about comedy. And so, if you are someone who does jokes about dark topics, then you do have to worry about being misinterpreted by people who are not that privy to the intent and the purpose of comedy itself. And so these are things I, I, I worry about now because I do have things about dark, 
dark topics. I have one of my favorite jokes right now is a really, really solid abortion joke. And no matter how you, it's, it's a little bit for everybody, this joke. But the most basic interpretation you could have of that joke is that I'm, I'm making fun of abortion. It's, and so I wonder, like, do I have to worry about this material that I put out that has the best intentions and it, I've put a lot of craft and work into? And yet maybe people will take it and misinterpret it and, and use it for, for evil and use it to say, see, people, these liberals, they, they love abortion, they love killing kids, so we need to outlaw it. So I have to worry, is my comedy actually creating more pain? Are the things that I put out with the intention of creating joy actually going to be used for evil purposes? And if there is a god, I wonder if that's how they feel about the material that they've put out into the world. They intended it for good, but it's used by so many people for evil. So I guess what I'm saying is I'm kind of like god in a lot of ways. And in fact, if you're, if you're Jewish, you know that my last name is actually, it means the name of god, Hashem. And people often come up to me and say, don't you think that's weird that your last name means god? And I say, actually, nothing in the world makes more sense to me. A lot of things confuse me, but not that. And I think I'm going to have to get Botox in my forehead because, because of all the confusion. I now have this line forming in the middle of my forehead because I have knit my brows so often in my life from confusion and disdain at this world that I now have a permanent mark. The way those trolls are able to idolize that rapper confused me. It made me realize I've never really idolized anybody. Even when I was their age, even if when I was young. Like, I, the first musicians I really loved were the Spice Girls, naturally. And I, and I bought the merch, I bought the lollipops, and got the stickers, and the, and the t-shirts. But I grew out of it very quickly, you know, and moved on to the next thing. Pokemon, maybe, was the next thing. What's funny is that when I was a kid and Pokemon was coming out, I wanted to buy all the stuff. I remember my mom being like, you're just gonna buy this and then get bored of it, just like all the other toys and fads. And I remember saying to her, no mom, Pokemon is different. Pokemon's gonna be forever. And I wasn't wrong. I was not wrong at all. That was a prophetic statement from a young Dina. And uh, the cards are worthless, so those were a waste of money, but still a very lucrative franchise. So my mom should have listened to me, made some wise investments. Maybe then it wouldn't have mattered that our apartment burned down. Mom, maybe then we wouldn't have had to walk over to the Sheraton and say, hey, we just lost everything, can we please have a free room for the night? And they said, why don't you walk your poor asses over to the Days Inn? And they wouldn't have had my first walk of shame at six years old. Mom. Fuck the Sheridan. But yeah, so I didn't- I never had that feeling of idolizing somebody. The closest I can remember to hearing about somebody and then being impressed or wanting to be like them was my uncle who disappeared. My dad told a story about his brother who had just gone off the grid and he was able to track his social security and like look up some information and found that he had changed his name 
um, from something, you know, very la 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 to uh, Michael Hart went to Michael Hart and so the assumption is that, you know, he just didn't want to be associated with the family or Islam anymore and I was like you can do that? I wanted to hire a detective and where is this guy so I can join join him on whatever island he's escaped to I was so enamored with the idea of escaping my family and the religion and he inspired me he inspired me I wanted to disappear just like him um, so that's the closest to an idol that I think I've had it's actually an even more fascinating story now because um, after further research we found that he is in fact living on an island with with a family and my dad called the phone number up that we believe is his and also the he's a he's a doctor so they called the doctor's office where he's working and the guy answers the phone and my and my dad is like it's me your brother and the guy's like what who are who are you and my dad's like I, I don't mean you any harm but I just I, I want to talk to you and I, if you want me to leave you alone, I'll leave you alone, but I, I just want you to know that I'm, I'm here. And the guy goes, I have no idea what you're talking about. And they've made several calls to him, and different members of my family have tried, my mom, my brother, all in, in different ways to try to get him to admit his identity, but it's strange because he, he isn't even hostile on the phone when he answers. He's kind of just like... I wish I could help, but I really have no idea what you're talking about. But it has to be him because it's his social security number. And everything else matches up from the research that they found. So it's a real mystery. So we thought maybe he has amnesia, maybe he got into some accident and he just truly doesn't remember his, his past or his family. It's strange. You would think if he if he was lying, he would at least say something like, "Look, I, I don't want anything to do with you. Stop calling." But that's not the case. I I, I want to make a documentary about it. I want to go go over to that island and see what's up and sell it to Netflix. Forget about comedy forever. My dad and brother have always had this plan of going to fly to the island and visit him to see what's going on, but. According to my dad, the flight is too expensive. See this cheap motherfucker? Never paid child support, won't pay a thousand dollars to a flight, for, won't pay a thousand dollars for a flight to see his long lost, disappeared brother. And this is somebody you like and have a lot in common with. You both abandoned your families. Can't go give him a ring, give him a little visit, see if he got MK Ultrad. And that's why he can't remember you? MK Ultra. For those of you who are Final Fantasy VII fans, and I promise this is the last time I'll bring it up because I beat the remake and I was so devastated because I was racing through it thinking, oh my god, they must have made this game like 200 hours long. I've been playing this for like days and I'm still only in, in Midgar. And I know they pronounce it Midgar in the game, but I grew up pronouncing it Midgar, so that's how it'll be. 
<clears throat> but I feel so silly because did, did everyone else know it was going to be installments? I had no idea. And now it's going to be like two years before the next, the next part comes out. That's harassment. That's abuse. And so of course I, I am playing the original again. I have to get a hit. I have to, I need another hit. So I'm playing uh, the original on PS4 and it has some great useful hacks because the mechanics are so slow. Um, but I'm realizing, do you think the creators of the game intended for Cloud to be an MKUltra victim? Like with implanting false memories? That's, that's so MKUltra. I mean, the whole game is so political and reflects things that governments around the world really do to their c citizens and the psyops and the sucking the life out of the planet. I find it hard to believe that they wouldn't also be aware of the CIA's activities and in mind control and, and trying to deliberately change people's memories without their knowledge. I wonder. Such a good game. And I was thinking, I was trying to understand why I love the game so much, and I was thinking of other content that I've consumed recently that I really am drawn to. And some of those things are Dark on Netflix. It's a German TV show that has a super intricate time travel plot, but that's not the reason I like it. And the Korean film Burning. I know that Parasite got all the love because the Hollywood elite needed to pretend like they care about class warfare. But there's a far superior Korean movie that just went under the radar. Um, I think that's on Netflix too. I saw it in theaters, twice in theaters. And so I was thinking about burning and dark and this game and what I think I'm attracted to is they all feature characters who are being manipulated by some fateful and seemingly omniscient force and they're trying to get back to a person or place that made sense and so they have to understand this this fateful being and conquer them if their life is to have any meaning or joy and i think that's a theme that's running pretty strongly in society i think there's a feeling if you're if you've been paying attention, um, that our lives are more and more being controlled by very powerful entities that we don't know a lot about behind closed doors, and we can't count on a lot of media sources to find out the truth or report it to us if, if they find it, because there are so many different agendas and political interests and ways to profit off of not telling the truth. I think there is more incentive than ever not to tell the truth, both for professional people and for people online who just want to say the right thing and, and get social currency and get more likes and faves. And so I think all of those characters are playing out these existential battles for the truth and for meaning in really epic ways. Um, and they're, and those messages are tied into plots that aren't necessarily about those subjects. They're not all just about politics, and but I do think they touch on those subjects. And there's other things in those pieces of content that are really great and have nothing to do with what I just said, but I think that's a thread that runs through them that might appeal, appeal to all of you. So check those things out.
if you want, let me know if I'm full of shit. Um, and I do like when you message me and tell me what you think. Um, in the first episode I did, I mentioned one of my peers, a comedian whose grandpapa was partially responsible for the Iraq war and thus financed her life through blood money. Um, and someone DM'd me on Instagram saying, were you talking about blank? Because I went to high school with her and that totally checks out. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't that person. It wasn't that comedian that he mentioned, but please keep informing on comedians with secret rich parents. That's That really helps me out. Um, because, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing in itself if you're in, in entertainment and pursuing an art and your family's rich. I'm not going to hold that against you. There's plenty of artists who came from well-to-do families and are extremely talented, you know, like Mulaney, um, Eric Andre. These are, these are people who you can't deny their talent. If you, if you're talented, whatever, I'm not going to hold it against you, but it's the comedians who use their wealth to to get ahead and skip the line, which they don't even see. They don't even see the line, and uh, you know there there are people who I, I I know, and they have rich parents who pay publicists to write great things about them, um, in various online media outlets, and it's not fair. It's doping. If if this business were a sport, it would be banned for doping. It's not fair, and I know that that's just the biz and everyone in entertainment buys good press you know that's how the star is born was born it's unbelievable how much paid good press was put out for that horseshit movie and you can just see it you can just see it's like someone was holding a bag of money behind the microphone as they were giving praise for no good reason to that to a to a remake uh, just a very mediocre remake. So it's just not fair. It creates, it contributes to the collapse of a truthful society when you can just buy the news. It's a problem. It's a huge problem when you're actually just trying to get information about reality, but it's a problem in this business that affects me personally. So I think it's the biggest problem when you just, you don't have to get ahead using your, your talent. You get ahead psychologically by manipulating the news and people's opinions so I just think it's it's cheating it's cheating buying publicity and posting nudes it's cheating because what do nudes have to do with being funny unless you're doing it in a funny way like Stav who's it's funny when he posts nudes because he's a fat pig and I say that with love he's one of the funniest people I know he's a great guy I love him and it's funny when he posts those pictures of him. But other people do it very earnestly and it gets them ahead, it gets them more followers. And it has nothing to do with being funny. So if you're buying your way into the into the New York Times and the Washington Post and, and Vulture to get things written about you, then then you're no better than the Unabomber. Okay? Because he also believed he had a message that was important and needed to get out there at any cost. But at least he got his hands dirty, okay? He didn't pay his rich dad to buy a write-up. He sent explosive devices to strangers and then forced the Washington Post and the New York Times to post his manifesto, okay? He got his hands dirty, and that's more respectable. 
because I'm also getting my hands dirty. I'm not sending explosive devices to people because that would be too stereotypical for an Arab. And it also violates my moral code. I don't believe in violence. But I do believe in getting your hands dirty. Like starting a podcast, haphazardly. Like starting a cult on Patreon. That's me, that's how I'm getting my manifesto out there. So support me, support honest comedy, support justice, support my Patreon. Forgive that I'm not posting this on a schedule. And I will be having guests soon. So if it's too much of me, don't worry. You have some other some other personalities to look forward to. Okay, bye.